everybody. Welcome back to The Bird Show. I'm Dr. Crow, and we have a very special episode planned for you today. I'm joined by a special guest, my daughter, Emily. Hi, Emily. Hi. Thanks for making it to The Bird Show. <laughs> Thanks for having me. And let's not forget our two co-hosts. Today, we have two Americana chickens. We have Chipmunk returning again. And we also have Coyote here, who is not the Wheaton variety, but the more classic reddish-brownish color Americana chicken. So we're here for a very important reason. Emily, would you like to share what yesterday was? My 15th birthday. Yesterday was Emily's 15th birthday, the big one five. And so in honor of her birthday, we're going to do something a little bit different here at the bird show. And we're going to do our top 15 favorite birds. So with that, let's get started on some bird tales. Bird tales. Coming in at number 15, we're going to talk about magpies. Magpies are members of the corvid family that's similar to ravens and crows. Magpies are known for having a really nice singing voice, and they're also very clever. And magpies are also one of the birds that's known to be able to actually mock some of human language. And there's a really cool lady called hmm. the Magpie Whisperer who makes friends with wild magpies in Australia. They enjoy like clowning around and stuff. So I've seen some funny videos online of them like on <laughs> people's clotheslines hanging upside down and stuff like that. Oh so they're actually a really good choice for our top 15 list because they're very smart and they're very funny. Wow. Kind of like some 15 year old girls I know. <laughs> Okay, up next at number 14 is swans. Even though they've been kind of domesticated, they retain their ability to fly. If you want to keep a swan like for your pond or something or mm -hmm. at a golf course or something like that, you actually have to either tie one wing or you have to clip their wings, otherwise they'll fly away. That's sad how they treat majestic swans. They actually have a black swan in Australia. Oh, I think wow. they're endangered though. Dang. Which do you think would be more majestic to see, a black swan or a white swan? Black swan, because it's like unusual. More like rare. Yeah. I used to uh, tell this fib when I was a little kid, because we had that pond where I grew up, mm -hmm. that I saw a purple swan one time. That's really cool. Did they yeah. believe you? I think they pretended to believe me, because I, <laughs> <laughs> I thought that they believed me. But looking back, I don't see how they could have. But we had like geese and ducks, but I just thought how, like you said, I mean, they're so, like, their necks are so beautiful mm -hmm. and... If you've seen two swans as parents, like they're very dedicated parents and they actually get a bad reputation because sometimes they'll attack humans that come oh too gosh. close to their nesting area. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Well, yeah, they're super protective. And do you know what a baby swan's called? It's called a cygnet. Hmm. Usually have like a mom or a dad at the front of the line if they have more than one and yeah. another one at the back just so they can make sure that all their little cygnet babies are safe in the middle. Sounds smart. They should do that with the parents today. Have like have <laughs> yeah. everyone in line, you know, in order. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. So what do you think happens if a cygnet gets tired halfway through swimming? They go on like the back yeah. of the swan? Yeah, that's like, like one of the cutest things you can ever see. They feathers. use their parents as a raft, basically, hmm. and they get a free ride across the pond. Cute. Very cute. I love swans. Good choice. Thank you. All right, do you want to announce number 13? For number 13 is pelicans. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Pelicans. We have mentioned pelicans on the bird show. I believe it was episode two on sacred birds uh, when we were talking to Dr. Deb Bridge. She's the one that had brought up pelicans as part mm -hmm. of alchemy and, mm -hmm, yeah. and sacred mm -hmm. birds because they are really cool birds. I think it's funny how when they fly, mm -hmm. they like swoop when they fly. I think the color of their feathers too are like really pretty. 
I think they're one of those birds, kind of like pigeons, where they don't really get enough credit for how beautiful their feathers mm -hmm. actually are. They look yeah. kind of like, I guess some people might think of it as like boring, but mm -hmm. their like feathers are really pretty. I agree. I also like how when they tend to fly, I think they kind of fly like in a line, sort mm -hmm. of following each other. And so it makes a really cool silhouette if you're at the beach and you see them fly across the tops of the waves. Keeping on the theme of the sea, at number 12, we have seagulls. So what do you like about seagulls? Um, I think they're not like recognized enough, but I think seagulls are kind of funny and pretty at the same time. Mm -hmm. You make a really good point. I've actually heard them referred to as the pigeons of the sea. Oh yeah. They tend to have a reputation for sort of pestering people. Yeah. I have a story like that about a seagull. So one time uh, I was a kid, I was younger than you are now. We were all actually on Angel Island near mm -hmm. San Francisco and we did this like cool boat trip thing and we were going to have this barbecue for lunch and we had hot dogs and I saw a seagull steal a hot dog, super hot, straight off the barbecue <laughs> and then it swallowed it sideways and you could actually see it go down oh both sides gosh. of its neck. Also, I think seagulls are kind of funny because they're like unusual. Mm -hmm but still a really cool bird. I think they're kind of a little bit protective too about their like territory because mm -hmm. I was at school one time and I saw like this eagle like just flying around. And we have like a bunch of seagulls at our school. We have like 20 of them. And I think one of them had like a nest on top of the roof on our gym. And then the seagulls like started attacking and like swooping the eagle. I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah, they're definitely very smart and obviously very uh, ingenuitive about getting mm -hmm. what they want. They know what they want. It's kind of surprising that people give them such a bad reputation because they do remind me of some people that I know. And your story reminded me of another story <laughs> from when I was in elementary school. And so it was like me and this other girl and, and we were walking alone across the blacktop. This whole flock of seagulls aimed for us and pooped straight at us. And we thought that it was raining because we heard all the like splats around <laughs> us, but it was a sunny day and we're both like little kids looking at each other going, what is that? Uh, it was a miracle, though. They didn't hit either of us. Dang. Yeah, we got really lucky that day because yeah. we were definitely aimed for. I'm pretty sure they're good at communicating as they fly along because I'm like, telling radio, you. Radio, hit this person. <laughs> yeah, like, hey, look, there's some kids on lunch duty. Mm -hmm. Let's do a duty. <laughs> <laughs> we got another shorebird you want to share with us who's coming up at number 11. Um, plovers. Plovers. I love plovers. Yes. It was actually what's called a snowy plover docent. Docent. A docent is someone who protects things. Mm -hmm. And so my job was I had this vest with like all the cool pockets and stuff, you know, like the khaki vest. Mm -hmm. I would go out and I had like brochures and stuff, but I basically was kind of like the hall monitor for the beach mm -hmm. to try to protect the shorebirds because snowy plovers, although they've done a lot better in recent years, were super endangered at mm -hmm. one point. I was lucky enough to go to school down in Santa Barbara where they have one of the few um, reserves. So it's called Coal Oil Point Reserve. And uh, while I was going to college down there on my free time, I would not only get to enjoy the beach, but I also got to see the cutest mm. baby snowy plovers. Yeah, they're like this big. Oh, they're like little cotton balls on mm -hmm. legs, like these big old legs too. They are mm -hmm. the cutest things. And when they run too. Oh my God. And they're fast too. They're mm -hmm. very fast. And they are so cute because when they get cold, they try to like get up under their mom and it's just the little legs poking out. So it looks like she has like eight <laughs> legs or something. Okay, let's move on to number 10. Falcons. Why did you pick falcons today? Um, because in that whole family of falcons, there's like many different kinds and there's some really, really pretty ones. Like mm -hmm. 
like Kestrel, I think that's how you Kestrel. pronounce it. Yeah, those are really pretty. Mm -hmm. And I also think that even though they are like making a living trying to do like the cycle of life, I think that they're kind of majestic when they like swoop and like get fish or something. They are pretty graceful about it. And the Kestrel is one of my favorite falcons. They're uh, prettiest, I feel like. Do you remember what the Kestrel does in order to hunt? Oh yeah, it like hovers in the air, mm -hmm. like watches it food and then swoops mm -hmm. all the way down and eats it. Yes, you're absolutely correct. Kestrels, they tend to hover about 10 to 20 meters in the air. So if you ever drive by a field mm -hmm. and you see this little bird sort of doing this and then mm -hmm. all of a sudden diving down, chances are it might be a Kestrel. Nice. Yeah, so it's kind of a cool way to also identify them just based off their behavior where you don't mm -hmm. have to be close enough or even have binoculars to tell which bird it is that you're seeing. Nice. All right, let's move on to number nine. Number nine is one of my favorites. Owls. Owls, yes. My grandma loves owls, and actually I know quite a few people who love owls. I think my favorite one is the snowy owl, but I also think it's cool that they can turn their head like, mm -hmm. all the way around. I mean, it's kind of creepy, but it's kind of fascinating at the same time. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Do you know what an owl pellet is? Yeah, um, it's like where they like they eat like, their food. Mm -hmm. And then they like throw it all the way up, the bones and like the skin and all that stuff. Oh, yeah, and it's yeah. like in a pellet shape. You no, know, yeah, like that. Yeah, they like barf it up basically. Mm -hmm. I have never seen one before, I don't think. Really? I've seen them behind our house a few times. Next time I see one, I'll bring it for you. Okay. Thank mm -hmm. you. <laughs> mm, so good. I can't wait. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, owls are really cool too because. In a lot of cultures, they actually symbolize a spiritual messenger, mm -hmm. and sometimes it's considered to be a bad omen if you see an owl, but sometimes it's considered to be good luck if you see an owl. Hmm. Yeah, it just depends on what culture and what story it is, I guess. If you kind of look at birds as giving us an indication of the health of our ecosystem, mm -hmm. then they are like messengers, literally. Yeah, like a reminder. Yeah, that we have too many mice. Yeah. <laughs> yes we do yes we do it's all this uh -huh. it's all the chicken feed okay number eight is one that you know much more about than i do um mocking jays mocking jays so these are not an actual bird they're a fictional bird from the hunger games and what is a mocking jay um so in the book a mocking jay is like a mix between a blue jay and a mockingbird it's kind of like the magpies where mm -hmm. they like um, sing stuff back to you. So if you do like a tune in the woods or something, mm -hmm. the mocking jays would like sing it back to you. In the book, they were considered as messengers too, mm -hmm. or like spies because they can overhear the human conversation and then report it back. They're like messengers too, like the owls. Yeah. Yeah. So um, do they play um, sort of a prominent role in the Hunger Games story? Um, they're kind of like a symbol, like a rebellion, because uh. it's like a mix between a mockingbird and a blue jay. Mm -hmm. They are like the main character's symbol that she mm -hmm. wore to like all of her games. Like on her crest? Yeah. There was multiple like times, mm -hmm. like it could be used as like a signal. When she was in the games, she had her friend and the signal was whistle once and the Mockingjays will repeat what I say mm -hmm. and meet me here. Mm -hmm. If you don't hear my Mockingjay whistle, mm -hmm. then don't come looking for me. So would they actually just whistle and then the Mockingjays would carry the message to the mm -hmm. other person? Yeah, it would go through the forest. I like that. That mm -hmm. kind of reminds me of like a messenger pigeon, but you know, with Mockingjays. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. See, you learn something every day here on the bird show. Mm -hmm. So coming in at number seven is albatross. Albatrosses are so cool. Yes. 
So what do you know about albatrosses? That we should definitely reduce how much plastic we use. Mm -hmm. So you're probably thinking of the work of the artist Chris Jordan, who made that film about albatrosses called Albatross. Very good film. If you've not seen it, I recommend it, but bring tissues. Yeah. So what is happening with the albatrosses? Where they go back each year when they're doing Mm -hmm. mating season. They would like lay their nests and stuff, but there's so much trash, just like tires, bottle caps, toothbrushes, and random plastic stuff gets carried Mm -hmm. through the ocean to this island and the albatrosses don't know if it's food or not so they eat the plastic and stuff Mm -hmm. once the parents eat it once the babies are born then they would regurgitate all of that up and Mm -hmm. then give it to their kids and so that's kind of the bad part too because if their kids grow up they're supposed to like actually leave the island you know Mm -hmm. I think the most emotional part is when they're like supposed to be going on a journey across the ocean to go Mm -hmm. adventure out into Mm -hmm. the world, but they can't leave because they're practically tied down with all the plastic in their stomach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're pretty woke for a 15-year-old, you know that? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She knows. She's like, I know. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, thanks to you, though. Oh, 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 oh. I want to be able, Mm -hmm. I want to be. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even know about albatrosses. I didn't know about Mockingjays. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Two wins. <laughs> Win-win. Win-win. Yeah. Um, albatrosses are very long-lived. I think Wisdom is the name of the oldest albatross on Earth, and I think she's close to 100 years yeah, old. 100. And so they're up there with parrots as one of those species where um, some of the albatrosses that are alive today were actually alive before plastic was even invented in the 1950s, Dang. which is crazy to think about. Um, If you've ever looked deeply into an albatross's eyes, I've had the privilege once or twice in my life. I think wisdom is a good name for for the oldest because they have this like deep sort of soulful knowing that's in their eyes. Yeah. 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 Like they've seen some stuff and it makes some sense that they have seen stuff because they're a bird that sometimes will not touch down on either the ground or Mm -hmm. on the water even once in an entire year sometimes. hover. Well, they have a really long wingspan, six feet or more. And so they'll glide on all the thermal stuff around the ocean. And especially Mm -hmm. in their first year or two before they are really ready to go back to, you know, Midway Island or wherever um, they were born, uh, they'll actually be out just going all around the world. They've done GPS tracking on them and they'll go in the Northern Hemisphere, Southern Hemisphere. I think they hold the record for the most miles traveled of any bird without ever landing. Wow. Number six is our first flightless parrot we've ever mentioned here on the bird show cockapoos cockapoos oh god (laughs) (laughs) you're so close cockapoos cockapoos what do you love about cockapoos which come from new zealand by the way so big and fluffy they are cheeks are so cute so cockapoos actually never needed the ability to fly when they were evolving because since they were on the island of New Zealand and there were no ground predators, they were free to build their nests on the ground, hmm. which now has caused kind of a problem because humans, of course, yeah. are on the island and they have pets like cats and dogs and have introduced other ground predators on accident. Yeah. So cockapoos are very endangered at the moment, unfortunately, but as you said, very cute. Yes. They look like big kiwis with legs, kind of. Yes. Oh my gosh, they're so cute. Yeah. If you've never seen a cockapo, after the bird show's done, Google it, because yes. cockapos are amazingly adorable. It's like a bigger version of Skittles. Uh, kind of reminds me of Skittles, our green cheek Kanye co-host. Yeah, like if, if she was like bigger. 
And then they have like yeah. a little beak that goes like straight down the middle instead of the parrot beaks that come out more. And so it makes it look like a really funny little nose. Yeah. That's yeah. why I like them so much. Cause, yeah. yeah. They're like unique in like, a different way because they don't mm -hmm. have that beak. They're mm -hmm. kind of flightless. Well, amazing. They're still considered to be parrots. Yeah. And it shows you how much just changing the evolutionary pressures can make a big difference in terms of whether you can even fly or not and mm -hmm. how long your nose grows. Yeah. I wonder if over time that they'll be able to fly considering that the humans are like ruining their grounds, I guess. Mm -hmm. Will they change to start flying? Or I'm wondering, or will yeah. they just stay? That's a really good question. And since you asked it, I'll try to answer, although no one can really know the future, right? Yes. But I think it really depends on how well our conservation efforts go. Because mm -hmm. if you want to have enough diversity in the population to have gene mutations to let mm -hmm. you do something like that, you have to have enough individuals to begin with mm -hmm. to have enough genes to work with in the first place. So theoretically, I mean, it might take thousands or even millions of years. Mm -hmm. But if there's enough individuals to start off with, Sure. Introducing some ground predators would mean that those that can even just like jump and roost higher at first would have mm -hmm. an advantage. And from there, they might have an advantage to go higher and higher and eventually be able to fly or at least do something similar to flying squirrels, maybe and glide or something. Close enough. Yeah. Better than nothing. Yeah. Right now, they're just running around the forest <laughs> floor looking adorable, but very vulnerable. All right. Coming in at number five are quails. Quails! cute little quails. It's only the males that have the little thingy on the top that make you think ah. of the quail outline. Reminds me of like back in like the medieval times, the queens and the kings have like, yeah. like little plume on yeah. the top of their like headdress or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. They're very regal looking Royalty. and really cute babies again. Yeah. Like the oh plovers. Gosh. Oh my God. A baby quail. And they're all like kind of speckly for camouflage. We have a few quails that live around here and... Lucky enough to see them. Very lucky, yes. Very cute. They are adorable. They're the uh, state bird of California, which is kind of cool. Mm. I kind of wonder what their personalities are like, because just seeing them and their little families around our house, they seem like pretty cool birds. Yeah. I mean, they don't necessarily like us lurking around too much. Whenever mm. we're out and we see them, like, we all... Yeah. And they're always kind of like... Uh, and and they, they, like scamper. Yeah, they scamper in the bush. Mm. Or sometimes if we're like too loud and we don't even see them first then they all kind of go <laughs> and they kind of fly yeah i love quails all right coming in at number four hummingbirds hummingbirds everyone loves hummingbirds right yes they're beautiful they are beautiful probably the most beautiful out of all of them i mean i don't want to like shoot oh. down any other species don't listen coyote <laughs> no you guys are, you guys are beautiful too but they're kind of like beautiful in a different way you know mm -hmm. well plus they're tiny so that's always cute. We've already established that. Tiny, amazing feathers, and yes. they can go fly backwards and frontwards, and I'm pretty sure sideways. They can do everything all at once. I remember last year, I'm in our backyard, when we had those hummingbirds, mm -hmm. very territorial. Because you notice it's the males that are, like, fighting off each other because they want to just, like, protect their little flower patch, and they let the girls eat as much as they want. Mm -hmm. They're like, hey, I found these flowers for you. <laughs> Sometimes you even hear them, and you can't even see them. They're like, super high-pitched sounds. Hummingbirds are really cool. Did you know that hummingbirds can hibernate? Yeah, don't they like uh, sleep during the winter? Yeah, their heart rate will decrease because right now, I mean, with their metabolism being so high and all the um, nectar that they need and stuff, their beats are like crazy number per mm -hmm. minute. But in the winter, they'll kind of go into like this dormant state. The heartbeat will slow to like only a few times per minute. But at least they can survive without needing food through the winter. Yeah. But that's why they're so hungry when they get 
out in the spring because and like territorial because they're like well yeah they're probably hangry yeah they're like i need flowers yeah exactly they're pretty amazing creatures especially because you add that on top of all the other cool stuff they do mm -hmm. yeah all right coming in hot at number three it's penguins penguins are amazing there's yes. tropical penguins there's the antarctic classic snow type of penguins there's big penguins, small mm -hmm. penguins, all kind of penguins. Yes. What kind of penguins do you want to talk about today? Antarctic. All right, the Antarctic kind. I think I like them because they're like cute and then when they like waddle, they're like. Mm -hmm. They remind me of teenagers that have their pants pulled down too low. Penguins are really funny, but it's amazing how graceful they are as soon as they get under the water. Like yeah. they can almost fly underwater. Like a dolphin, like you said the other day. How yeah. You see them kind of jumping out for air too. Like they're like our dolphin birds you know yeah it's kind of like a two for one because i really yeah. like dolphins and i like birds bam bam penguins <laughs> penguins i think in the documentary about penguins we watched they said that they march like over a hundred miles each way yes. when they're doing nesting season and they do the trade-off with the male and the female mm -hmm. who takes care of the eggs and the chicks but meanwhile they have to do this march that's a hundred miles yeah the baby penguins in order to like go to the ocean they experience how it feels to like swim in the ocean without parents around you know mm -hmm. the ice starts like forming up back together mm -hmm. and so they have to get across it as quick as they can mm -hmm. and so i thought it was interesting how it's like a test there's those big seals that eat those penguins the penguins have to cross it without like making too much movement pretty intimidating yeah i don't know how some of them did that mm -hmm. but i know one of the penguins the seal got like a hold of its leg mm -hmm. and so in order to stay alive the penguin had to play dead mm -hmm. because then the seal would lose interest that's the only way of survival if you get like caught mm -hmm. so i think it's kind of like a metaphor for life also mm -hmm. you have to like go through a test of high school and college and then yeah. maybe even in your 30s and 40s and 50s mm -hmm. next on the list at number two flamingos 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 are so cool. I love when they do the like dance in unison yes. and stuff. That like, is so neat. Love flamingos. And their feathers, of course, are beautiful and yes. pink. So, I mean, they've got that yeah. going for them. You were telling me the other day what makes their feathers pink, too. They eat like those little yeah, shrimps. Yeah, they eat shrimp that's pink and then yeah. changes. Does that mean when they're babies that they're white, not pink? Well, actually, I think they're more like a gray, like downy fluff kind of thing. But huh. yeah, theoretically, and if you keep them like in captivity in a zoo or something, and you don't feed them some sort of supplement that has color in it, they'll be white. Interesting. Another interesting thing about flamingos is the water that they stand in protects them because it's actually really, really like acidic. I can't remember if it's really alkaline or really acidic, but it basically is like corrosive and hardly anything can even live in it because mm -hmm. it's like toxic water basically, except for the krill. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But other birds would get their legs burnt and stuff, and even other hmm. predators would get their legs and paws burnt. So it kind of saves them from, mm -hmm. like, predators and... Yeah, that's one of the reasons that they all kind of stand together in the middle of those shallow lakes, because the water itself protects them, because the water is so corrosive hmm. and toxic that it is kind of like a moat, like a barrier. That's kind of cool. And it shows you how strong their legs are, too, if they're able to just stand there. Maybe that's why they stand on one leg. Maybe. Maybe they're trying to cool off the other leg. Yeah, they're just like getting <sighs> there. They're like, oh, my leg's going to sleep. Oh, the other this one. leg's getting all corroded. Yeah. And I need to like grow some skin cells back. Yeah. I think we just cracked the case here on the bird show. I think yes. we just made a new discovery. 
Okay, last but not least, number one, we have helper birds. Helper birds. This is what we're calling any kind of bird, like an ox pecker or any other type that has a symbiotic relationship with another species. Yes. So, for example, if they're out on the savanna, the ox pecker will be on the back of the ox eating all of the little bugs and stuff. I don't think it's necessarily species specific. I feel like there's helper birds. Mm -hmm. Personality-wise, too. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe there's some that are, I mean, I know with our chickens, yeah. some are more helpful than others. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why did you pick helper birds as the number one? Mm, because I think just like humans, humans and birds like can relate through this, that there's always going to be that rude person or like that mean person. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be that helper bird or helper human who's always like, there when you need them mm -hmm. to pick up the lice in your like fur or mm -hmm. just to lift you up when you're like crying. It's deep. So, yeah. I like helper birds because... In any symbiotic relationship, both benefit, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not even necessarily like one person gets something and the other one just gives. They're mm -hmm. both getting something out of it. So yeah. the bird's getting like a snack. Yeah. And the animal's getting a bug off of them. Yeah. Yes, that is perfect for number one and a perfect segue to today's bird of advice. A bird of advice. For today's bird of advice, we think that it's time in these COVID trying times to find a little bit more helping bird inside ourselves. Yes. What do you think? I think you should just really stay home mm -hmm. just to keep yourself safe mm -hmm. and the other person safe. That's a good I mean, point that it's another win-win where... Yeah, not like a helper only, bird. Yeah, like a helper bird. You're also helping prevent the spread of the disease to other people by... Mm -hmm. helping yourself not get it. Yeah. Who are the helpers in our society? Like nurses, mailmen, even like the truck trash. Dr truck drivers, truck trash. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we should be the ox pecker for them. Yeah. Help pick bugs off of them. Yeah, I guess like just do kindness or gratitude. I mm -hmm. think those are the easiest ways. I mean, for me personally, it's just gratitude or kindness like a little DIY projects. For example, like um, you can do chalk, like write thank you by the mailboxes if you have like concrete by the, your mailboxes mm -hmm. for the mailman so he can see it. Yeah. I think also there's a helper that we don't necessarily think about, especially in times like these when we're all kind of like locked up together. Mm -hmm. Each of us in the, our flock of crows or mm -hmm. anyone in their own flock, in their own family, there's little ways that people are trying to be helpers all the time. And so how can we be helper birds to them? I think you have some great ideas that you've been doing this entire mm -hmm. time that we've been mm -hmm. kind of stuck at home. Do you want to share some ideas for ways that you could kind of like lift other people's spirits? Yes, I do agree. It can be kind of rough to like be stuck in the same house with some people that you live with for like, I don't know, like a long time. Like, I think what really helps is whenever I'm like feeling stressed or just frustrated with somebody, to do it with gratitude and at school we have this thing called this character strong dare for example there's one where you can do like a little cool scavenger hunt where you can do like hints for example i will all like lead you to a spot where you can write like a nice little paragraph of why you appreciate this person and why you love them and thank them for what they do and then there's ones where you can celebrate someone's like ha one half or one sixteenth birthday 
Oh, here's like a really fun one that I kind of enjoyed. You can do, say five things on your bucket list that you want to do with me. And I would say five things that I want to do with you. Mm -hmm. And then we would combine those. Mm -hmm. And then once we can have something to look forward to after it's all done with. So just uplifting stuff like that. I feel like today we're getting one thing off of our bucket list. I've actually never been on a podcast before. Emily, you have done such an amazing, excellent job. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being an amazing helper bird. And thanks for getting the best top 15 bird list together that I can possibly think of. It was fantastic. Yes. That was a lot of fun. Well, that's it for today's bird show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for celebrating Emily's 15th birthday with us with the top 15 birds. And if you don't have anything else going on, please join us next week for another Dr. Crow's bird show. Until then, try to find a way to have another flocking good time. Turns on the radio. 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 Turns on the radio.